Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports. How about that? What a name, huh? <laughs> that was so clever of us, Joe, when we thought of this a few years ago. Cusp. Um, but Joe and I are reunited today. So Joe, it's Who good are to you? be with Hi, you. Tom. Tom Richardson. I'm Joe Favorito. I'm on the faculty here, and I think you are too. I am sometimes. Um, so it's good to be together. Because of the summer schedule, it's been hard to connect, and we've done a fewer shows, but uh, we've done some good, some good ones, including students, including our producer today, Rodrigo yes, Roddy. Thank you. Uh, congratulations Part of on your, your 15 minutes. On your debut in Thank the podcast. Thank you very much for having yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That was exciting. Um, Joe, how's the summer going? It's over, almost. Well, don't good. say that. It's August. Lots whatever. of traveling, fun stuff, some good shows, went to some good shows. Nice. And what sports stories have you been, or sports biz stories have you been paying attention to? Um, lots. I think that the biggest one is, if it's true, Joe Ty now buying the rest of the Nets at a ridiculous valuation because he's not buying a lot of the assets that you'd normally have, including a television network. But, wow. you know, when you've got Alibaba money, you can go and do those things. And it's another good summer for the NBA, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So Now, a lot of interesting stuff going on. The, the continued uh, emphasis on esports uh, has been a thing of uh, a thing to behold. Although, as of this, this taping today on, what are we, August 14th, Rick Fox can't find money for his. Oh, is that right? Fox. I didn't see yeah. that. Um, yeah. So we're gonna. I, I think, and if the economy keeps going the way, we're gonna see a bubble in esports. I, I don't think the valuations on these teams. Yeah. Are the other angle that I found interesting. I know you are a fan of the show, uh, as I am. Uh, the real sports segment about the problem with addiction yep. for video game players now in America. So this has been a problem that's been pretty common, unfortunately, in Asia, particularly Korea, uh, but it's hit the U.S. And this segment was terrific, uh, really eye-opening. Now, they're estimating that 3% of video gamers, mostly young males, have become technically addicted. And do you know there's a there's a condition called Internet Gaming Disorder? It's like uh, a literal description, uh, Internet Gaming Disorder. Um, and they say that percentage is consistent with uh, those you'd find in other countries. Uh, and that actually aligns with gambling addiction, Usually, it's in most countries, it's three percent of the population becomes addicted. So that was an interesting. And I also think um, the shooter games are going to continue to have issues. Although our buddy oh, yeah, Slasher you made that point the last few weeks. Slasher made a great. I saw uh, that. I saw that. He it was, was interesting kind of for him to go on yeah. Fox News. I thought. Yes. So uh, he was the first male with a bun in the back of his hair to kind of go on Fox News. <laughs> well, Other was, than Noah Syndergaard, I tried, but I, thought um, did a good, I, I watched the segment. I thought, yeah. I, I thought it was well done. But I think that's, that's also, although people will say it's defensible, it's like saying, you know, smoking is not addictive. Yeah. So, All right. Well, as we segue into today's discussion mm-hmm. with our special guest straight from New Orleans, um, I want to make reference to something that I noticed a few weeks ago that I think all sports fans and sports business fans or sports business um, students uh, uh, sense at some point in the summer. It is amazing how every year, like clockwork, the attention moves to the NFL. And I, 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 got, I, I had the strong sense of it last week or two weeks ago. I can't remember when I tweeted this, but I said, uh, my line was, uh, how did I say it? The, uh, that breeze you feel is the oxygen in the room moving towards the NFL. It, it really is kind of amazing. Like I've been watching ESPN the last few days 
the amount of NFL coverage is stunning. Forty-eight hours three of weeks away. Forty-eight hours of fantasy. I, I watch the fantasy shows a few few moments. I mean, hour after hour of mock drafts and uh, draft analysis stuff like that, and it's a reminder every year for his, for every step the NBA takes forward, and it's a really powerful league. For every step MLB or improvement MLB makes, whatever, it's the NFL's game when it comes to August, and it'll be this way for the next five months. Yep. So yep. anyway, that said, we're happy to be talking music to come in this <laughs> involved. Well, there'll be some music in this conversation, but it actually uh, involves gaming and sports, which is one of our favorite topics to discuss. And we're pleased to welcome an executive from a gaming company that at least right now is a low profile, but the profile will hopefully be raised soon as they relaunch their game. Okay. So our guest is a guy named Kevin Murphy. And Kevin has an amazingly interesting background in entertainment and music and digital and tech and digital marketing and distribution. Uh, and he is now the head of marketing for a gaming business. Uh, corporate name is Vetnos, V-E-T-N-O-S, but the actual trade name of the game is Score or Play Score. Play score. You can explain that, Kevin. Um, Kevin lives in New Orleans. Vetnos is actually based in New York, so Kevin's here this week. and was nice enough to agree to spend some time with us and tell us a little bit about, I'm going to focus this conversation more on the marketing side and the customer acquisition yeah, challenges good. in the business. Because look, there's a lot going on in the space, Joe, you and I have talked about this many times. It's kind of easy to talk top line about the growth and all the opportunity, but ultimately this is a bare knuckles game of customer acquisition that is really challenging, whether you are an established company getting into the game or moving extending into the gaming business or your startup. So and, we'll get into that today. Yeah, and Great. it's it's not dissimilar from the dot-com era where literally you can't go an hour with someone saying, oh, former Google execs launch, <laughs> launching app right. that's going to beat all the yeah. bookies or, or is going to do this. Former or, Wall Street executives. Yeah. 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 And, and, I know. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I got three. Today is, so it's Wednesday at, I don't know, late in the afternoon. And I had three today. Just people and other ones, and and our friend Terry Lyons, I send them all to him. I'm mm -hmm. like, here's another one. Yeah. Here's another one. No, I'm, I actually met with one yeah. right before this meeting yeah. that uh, I won't name yet, but maybe at some point we'll talk to them as well. Mm. A different angle than score, but yep. uh, as, anyway. I, as I said in a meeting today that uh, I had a few hours ago, um, it's really interesting to how to see to see how different established companies, whether they're in media or they're in tech or they're in data. Uh, and the newbies, the, the startups and the early stage companies are all looking at different angles on kind of the same challenge. So we'll shed some light on that today. We'll hopefully get Kevin to help us shed some light. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you. That was a really time. long one. That was. Uh, I'd what be, was, I'd be okay question? if we stopped right yeah. there. I, I was all pretty good. I'm just sure I'm going to do better. We appreciate your visit yeah. and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, as is customary, we, we like to get to know our guests. So um, you've had a really interesting background. Uh, which I, uh, I'm hearing old. About. That's how I read that no, comment. No, old. Let's okay, call it seasoned, experienced, <laughs> diverse. Um, so take us through how you kind of built your career and how you ended up okay. here in this business. All right. Shoot, if my girlfriend's listening, she'd hate to hear this. She'd be bored out of her mind. <laughs> so San Francisco native, born and raised. Sports. Sports was my life. There was nothing else. Was, Were you an athlete? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I actually went to high school on a scholarship. Not, not too many people actually get to do that. St. Ignatius out in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Good Jesuit education. So the Jesuits, yeah. uh, I was a poor kid, but I was mm -hmm. the fastest kid in the city. And, and uh, 
I scored so a lot track of touchdowns. Or football. Track, football, the whole bit. Wow. Any, and, any my, and my coaches, alums, well, my coaches went pro. Uh, mm-hmm. Holmgren, Haskell, oh. all these guys that coached me are not pro coaches. And they told me, Murph, you can go pro if you don't blow it. So, so I was very fast, scored a lot of touchdowns. Next thing you know, I had a high school scholarship because very poor family. So for me, it was sports everything. I mean, I ran to school. I, I played football, basketball, and, and I played all the sports until the football coaches finally said, nothing else, you stay here. Wow. But then when, I, when they started taking me out of typing class to go lift weights, and they started taking me out of Spanish class to, to do pull-ups, <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, I could be the stupidest guy to ever graduate from this school, and I suspect that probably happened in the end. So um, I did St. Ignatius. After that, I got a football scholarship, St. Mary's. Played over there. Uh, played a little at Berkeley. The Gales of Moraga. So, yeah, so you know the Bay I went, Area. I went to Fordham, so, so I know oh, lots okay. of rivalries between right. St. Francis and St. Mary's and Fordham back in the day. There you go. Slip Madigan. Right. There you go. That's yeah. right. Nice. Anyway. Good reference. So I was a football player, and then I think after my eighth, ninth, tenth knee surgery, mm-hmm. I finally decided to take a year off. I went to school in France, as you and I were kind of chatting about earlier. I went to the University of Grenoble over in France and spent the year skiing. Uh, after that, I thought, how can I stay in Europe? So I went around, jeez, uh, what did I do? I joined the boxing team over there. After the boxing mm. team, I joined the rugby team. I, I traveled around playing rugby. I picked grapes. I did whatever I could to stay in that country. So, so I had a lot of fun. Did you speak French? Uh, if you're asking, yes. It uh, depends on who's asking. <laughs> oui, yeah, I, I'm pretty good at listening. You wouldn't enjoy my accent too much, okay. but yeah, okay. You read French menus and bar, and right. bar made. Yeah. But sports was it. Sports was my life. Uh, I was a pretty good jock, and, and uh, uh, I'd say that was my focus. Somewhere around uh, mid-'80s, I had an opportunity to buy a nightclub, and I was broke, but I was a good bartender. Because remember, that's one of the skills I'd learned yep. from traveling around the countries. And if you knew San Francisco, it was Lord Jim's. Mm-hmm. So I opened up a club called The Oasis. It's not the market in San Francisco. I had yep. a swimming pool and... It was quite a notorious place. The mayor, whose, da- whose daughter I was dating in San Francisco. Which mayor? Moscone. So, what, wow. He put me down, South Market in San Francisco, and said, Kevin, you can do anything you want down there. Nobody's going to care. You can light a bomb. Nobody's going to hear it. That changed uh, pretty soon when somebody discovered the word loft. So, so that soon changed. But I did uh, I did that coincide sa- with the rise of the Silicon Valley? South of Market. Well, it became Soma when Soma, I went down right. there. Uh, next thing you know, you started also, that's when Soma. Apple was hitting it big. And, and, uh, I yeah. tell, the, so, oh, my God. That's so horrible. So the first few companies that came to me that were in the tech world, they would be, uh, okay, I'm so-and-so. I, I just started a site called Craigslist. I'd love to do a party at your club. Would you take stock? No. Hi, I started a club. I started a, a new company called LinkedIn. Would you be willing to take some stock? We don't have any cash. No. So, so, so that's how stupid we're was, starting off. But you took this. You know, it's like, but we're selling no cow pizza in Vermont, and you said, I'll take that one. Right so, yeah, so. I, I did. You know, not a lot of foresight there. I was not buying any cryptocurrency. Oh yeah. Oh man. So who were the? I mean, were they literally like? These were the the, the beginning of Silicon Valley. Of course, they they wanted clubs to go to. As I I'm surprised we didn't end up there with the, one of the yeah. Quokka parties yeah, or something exactly. back in the Quokka Sports. That's another one we'll get to at some point. No, so I had owned seven nightclubs south of Market San wow. Francisco. Yeah, wow. I had 100 employees. I bought all the clubs kind of on, on 11th Street. How old were you? 27? 26 years old. 26. After that. Entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot about people. Um, and I had a lot of fun. 
yeah, music. Music was my life. Uh, again, once again, as I was bragging to, to Tom, you know, we, we had a band that came in every Friday night. They were a bunch of headbangers. They finally went on to become known as Chili Peppers. And that was our Friday afternoon. They were not band. red hot at that point. We we would go downtown San Francisco in trucks, throw water balloons at people, they'd explode and say, "Come down, for, you know, becks for a buck, things like that." And people come down swimming, people. What the hell is going on here? So 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 it started off on music. Was um, Flea as crazy then as he became? Oh, uh, or more so? Yeah. Oh. How he still looks like that? You know, I'd like to take some of that drug. So so yeah. <laughs> That guy is extraordinary. But that was my life. Um, uh, I did that. And at some point in time, a lot of people ended up coming around those nightclubs. And so that whole idea of not being bothered was soon gone. We were full of neighbors. And when you're doing raves at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know you're not going to exist too well south of the market. So a couple of my friends said we're starting something called uh, out, out in the Desert. And, and uh, it's called Burning Man. Do you want to come join us? I said no. Once again, here we go for insights. Uh, I turned that down, and uh, that sucked. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. but at some point, I, I thought well, I would be interested in the fire festival. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. tell you what. At some point, <laughs> do you know what they're honest? No, uh, I had some people come by and they said, "Hey, Kevin, we want to do something called mushroom jazz. We want to do it on a Monday night." I said, "Great. Nobody does anything on Monday nights, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, use the internet." I said, "Well, I don't know what that is, but but." Okay, you, cool. you think that'll work? Is that like a flyer or is that like a poster or what, where are you guys going with this? And they kind of explained it was on a computer. And I tell you what, that Monday night, wow, I, my life changed on that Monday night. I sat there and watched thousands of people. So what was that? It? I didn't. It was called Mushroom Jazz. Okay. And and they had just done a bunch of emails to people that were on this uh, record label that liked jazz and. They just came. And they just came out of nowhere. And it was a beautiful crowd. It was Monday at like 7 o'clock. And I was just like, oh my goodness. This is... And that was the beginning of the end for me. Soon after that, I, I sold the clubs. Sold everything. Dropped out. And I went back east to to, uh, to MIT. Uh, I, I, I had some friends working at Forrester Research. Uh, you know, sure. So yeah, Forrester, Meta, Jupiter, Giga, all yeah. those places. I talked to a bunch of the really smart people there, and I said, hey, guys, how could I get into this business? And they all said the same thing. Don't bother. You're too old. You're, it's not going to work. You, 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 you know, don't bother. And, of course, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> so I got a job working over at Harvard. I helped them build the ISP. Uh, so I taught myself that. And then I went to Akamai, and Akamai said, well, we'll do a deal with you. We'll teach you technology. You get us into the music clubs. You get us into all of the... Uh, the places and, and introduce us to the right people and that was the quid pro quo that took place which was great so I learned technology at an older age for free from the best throwing around Harvard name like we throw around Columbia uh, there you <laughs> go. There, there, exactly I, I, I never had to talk about San Francisco State ever again so <laughs> so I, I think that was for me a, a really good transition point I got into technology and it, and it didn't take long uh, at Akamai I saw I saw the world tell us what Akamai is so uh, Akamai is a CDN network. Um, it was called Advanced Caching. Um, about 80 to 85% of the world's traffic goes over those servers, and they just make the internet a lot more efficient. So that's... It's a content delivery network. Content delivery network, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I did real well at Akamai. I kind of won all the sales contests and... and uh, 
Where were you? You were living, oh, in, you were living in Boston at that I was time? Living, I was living in Boston, but I was traveling to New York because, uh, again, I was you know, working with all the uh, film companies here. But I tell you what, the greatest product I saw, the greatest thing I saw at Akamai while I was there, uh, again, we, we had ch chatted about it really briefly earlier today. Uh, I, I was getting involved in people's business models. And one thing that all of the, uh, and this was back in the year 2000 and 2001, all of the movie studios had no digital rights management, and they were all having their bandwidth stolen. At $2,000 a meg, that was a very expensive process. So people would come on board from China and, and Asia and, and steal all the movies, and, and they had no mechanism to, to, uh, to collect or stop that. So initially we said, okay, we'll stop the traffic. Then we said, well, let's not stop it. Let's redirect it to a search engine in China, get paid for that traffic, we offload all of that bandwidth cost, and we get paid for people who never visit the site. Next thing you know, we're making money without even having customers touch our site. Talk about you know the, the proverbial light bulb going off that day. I, I saw that, and I said, okay, I want to do a search engine. So I went from nightclubs to search engines in, in, in a very short period of time. I, I think it was two years before I, I started my own search engine called Traffic Engine. And we were a syndication engine, XML feeds, had about 2,000 clients. We bootstrapped, got to about $10 million in the second year, and uh, did pretty well from, from that point forward. So did, it, I just want to ask before we get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> at that point, all those people that you threw away in the bar, did Sergey and Bill <laughs> come calling back and say, Kevin, no, where man, are you? I, so, no, I, I don't yeah. think I would have ever, ever... Mm -hmm wanted to admit to any of that because right. the list is too long of people I said no to, including Microsoft, including Apple. Mm. I mean... Uh, Did I you ever pass Steve Ballmer on the street and say, do you remember who I was? No, but you know, I, I knew a few of those guys yeah. pretty well. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. go ahead. I, got, I went to a few of those houses. Uh, so, I don't know, what's what's important from that point forward? We go. Well, from, so, so you finished that business. Yeah. Um, and let's get to present day. Like so, so you. Right, well, so, so, so I guess the one thing I learned at uh, doing all those clubs was guerrilla marketing. That was, yep. of course, you you learn how to do anything you can by marketing. Like I said, we were throwing water balloons off trucks. So you go from that to watching at Akamai. We saw heat maps of the world's traffic, and we would always ask the question: Where does the traffic come from? How did how where does it evolve from? Who has it? How do you get it? How can I get more? And so you learn a lot about that. And so when I started my own search engine, I kind of knew where all the best sources of traffic were. And so we started going to those little companies, those little um, domain companies that had the great intent traffic and, and all those other little companies. And we started building feeds with that traffic. And then we'd build up a list of advertisers on the other side. We'd send the traffic to the advertisers. Whatever didn't stick, we sent off to XML feeds from Yahoo or Microsoft or whomever. And... So we built that little ecosystem. It was a, it was a, a nice little process, but again, it was all marketing and it, and it was all traffic. Uh, eventually, and I'll skip a few lifetimes here, um, I was called up by the folks here in New York who owned PlayScore. PlayScore used to be called uh, Hot Roster. They started a company. Um, they saw that it was very successful, but there was a few missteps. So they, they reopened as Score. And once again, they saw that they really liked uh, they really liked the product, but they wanted to invest more, and so they did. They, they, what, what was the product? Well, the product was, uh, I guess, what we call fantasy sports or mm -hmm. skill game sports, so it's legal in 31 states. 
Um, and I, I guess at um, that point, let's see, it's skill games. It's uh, a lot of people think it's FanDuel's or DraftKings, yeah. which it's which is not. Of course, the issue with those games is you win about one percent of the time, and mm -hmm. and then people don't come back. So we saw that model. We weren't too keen on that model, but we thought people love trivia, people love the fantasy sports, and we thought you know we could we could probably. At the end of the day, people love athletes. They love matchups. They love the competition between yeah. all of that. And if you could really just focus on that and just do a game within the game uh, and make a game where people can win. So people can actually win and, you know, not make tons of money, but they don't lose. And the nice thing is people play with each other and they play against the house. So they're not playing against Sharps or anybody else. So again, we saw this. It worked real well, but it needed a little bit of love and attention so we uh, tore it apart we rebuilt it with some very smart folks and we come out in about two weeks and it's gonna be called play score so this is september so but just september five well, but bridges bridges from the search engine to fantasy sports and so this is kind of the, the really the birth of digital fantasy and everything that, that started to grow from 2003 to today so how did you kind of were there a couple steps along the way that were kind of like these light bulb moments for you? Well, I mean, for, for me, it was the folks at the, uh, at the company that had seen me work, had, had, had dealt with me, and they knew that I had access to traffic. Right. And so, so that's usually when I get called up is when people need traffic to a website and they don't want to pay $300 a head or $200 a head or whatever the going rate is. <clears throat> so, again, I, I think it was just a natural thing from learning – guerrilla marketing as a kid to learning the most effective ways of generating traffic that was real, that didn't cost a lot of money, that actually converted. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's so many types of traffic out there in the world, like affinity traffic that, well, you know, it makes you look good, but you'll, you'll, you'll never do anything with it because uh, I got enough right, incentivized yeah. traffic. I got it's enough followers in Belarus. I don't really need it. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So, yeah, we learned all of those games. But what's interesting is even talking about traffic referrals and traffic sources by definition means we're talking about the open web yeah. we're not talking about the modern world of digital media consumption which is largely through applications which is right. closed technically yeah, right. so talk about that because that to me is the big elephant in the room so it's one thing when in the web world pre-mobile or pre-apps to do this it's a great skill set you did well with it right it's a different world now. And right now, there's a plethora of companies, early stage startups in the world of uh, gaming and sports gaming and sports gambling betting that are essentially doing variations of the theme. So your uh, game, which I guess you call a fixed odds parlay, right. we'll come back to that in a second because yeah. I, want, yeah, I yeah. want to explain that. Um, it's still going to primarily live through the app, correct? I guess we'll I mean, see. Combination, I, mean, combination, I, I think but. I think it's a fact that most people want to play those uh, on mobile. Uh, but how do those how does that those skill sets you develop with search engine marketing tactics and digital marketing referral marketing things like that? How does that apply to an app ecosystem? Well, it's first of all, there's there's no one correct answer, and there's no one uh, place where everything comes from. Um, uh, I, I will tell you one of the first things I did when I transitioned. Uh, using one of the tools that you like a lot, we discovered Twitter. And with Twitter, we thought, well, how can we use Twitter to promote our game? And we knew uh, Dan Marino was one of the friends, one of the owners, and we got Dan to say a few nice things about the game. And it was just like that thing at Mushroom Jazz at the nightclub. It, 
was the same difference. Dan started talking about the fact that he really dug this game. It was a lot of fun. And he, and he invited some of his followers. Well, I mean, the next day we had so many people sign up who were just like, okay, this is pretty interesting. And so remember, these are the early days of affiliate marketing yeah. and super affiliates. Right. Well, once Twitter came into being and Twitter started using influencers, everything then went to become the influencer platforms. And at, that coincides with everybody becoming a brand, everybody being on Facebook, everybody logging every second of every minute of their life. And the internet changed. All of a sudden, the little person had power, and mm -hmm. the little person could have power. And so traffic sources, the internet, the way we saw it, everything, everything started mm -hmm. to change. Right, yeah. right. So how, do you, how are you, as you think about you, the challenge ahead, relaunching this game, yeah, for really. football for NFL football season 2019-20, you've got a lot on your mind about tactically what you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. what you need to do. So talk yeah. about that. So without giving away the, sure. the trade secrets. Sure. You know. Well, you know, for, put it put it this way: there's a lot of tools out there, especially if you're working with, uh, you know, Chrome and and the browsers. Lots of tools out there that that are okay on Google. So let's say, for example, that there's a real popular game like a, let's say, FanDuel's. Well, if you know that nobody knows you, but that there's going to be tons of traffic to FanDuel's, you can very easily work with companies to do keyword replacement or URL replacement. So people type in FanDuel's, next thing you know, they're on Facebook. Uh, people often wonder how they got there, but the fact is, that's more or less what they were looking for. So it creates brand awareness. So that's called keyword URL replacement. If you do that... And it's so, legal. And it's legal. And it's approved. <laughs> right. Uh, and if you do that in, in well, you're talking about direct, uh, oh, yeah. direct entry into the search box? So both. So, so direct entry into the search box for the URL uh, or keyword, yeah. Uh, were you aware of that show? No. Yeah, not, not a lot of people get that. But have you ever ended up on a site where you were like, how the heck did I get on this site? And you don't really think about it. And, and, if, it's, and if it's within your wheelhouse, if it's what you were thinking about, you might be interested in staying there. If, if, I mean, if you're playing the completely, yeah, if it's completely, you know, it's a, a trip to Hawaii and you haven't vacationed in 10 years, you don't want to see it, you don't want your wife to see it, and you get the heck off there as fast as possible. But um, that's one strategy, and it's usually, like I said, five, six, seven things. So, okay, questions? So, so, so is not, are not FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo, Doing the exact opposite at the same time to kind of. Uh, they, I back. suppose so. You right. know, you'd have to talk to them. I, I haven't chatted. We'll ask them tonight. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But uh, okay. I, I will say it's very fun to go to these traffic conferences and hear people talk about SEO, SEM, and SMM. This is what you always hear, right? The three things. Mm -hmm. And the people doing traffic that I know, uh, okay, that was freshman year. Uh, you know, we're, we're taking courses that are far different. Nobody's mentioning these things. Of course, you need a good SEO practices. That's right. organic traffic. You'd be right. crazy not to. SEM, yeah, if you're spending any money, that's it. And, of course, social media. Uh, you three know more about that than I'll ever know. You're on a college campus, and, and uh, I'm jealous. Uh, I mean, uh, I pay a lot of people a lot of money to get that kind of traffic. So, and so, I, so I enjoy that. But, but I will say... There's some other really great strategies that work extraordinarily well when you're targeting people like we're targeting. We have a pretty good sense for our avatar. And in this case, it's the East Coast Millennial Male. Now, I think you guys probably know how many people play fantasy sports in America. 
the numbers I think are. 55 to 60 million plays seasonal, and then maybe 10 to 12. Yeah, right? that was astounding. So all of a sudden, these people who've been playing, they've invested time, they're, they're, they're researching about these players, they're starting to feel pretty good. It's so all of a sudden, if they can uh, spend $5 and put a bet on something against somebody else, why wouldn't they? Yeah. And I think you're starting to see a lot of that. People use the knowledge they've gained to have a little fun and bet their friends. So we become the platform for that. So how we're going to get them is maybe we do a little bit of this brand awareness. Then maybe we drop some geofences around a few targets. Geofences would be any kind of boundary like a stadium or, or maybe a gym. The Hudson maybe River. A, maybe a, yeah, there you go. Sports <laughs> yeah. bars in New York. You can't play this game in New Jersey, interestingly. You can really? You can in New York. So you can drop these geofences around any place where you think people are walking into or coming out of a place where they're doing sports. All of a sudden, you know you've got people that are interested in sports. The next thing you know, you can start sending them uh, ads on their computer, or you can start sending them SMS messages because you now own access to those people. And, and you start to do what's called audience creation. You just start building up an audience of those people that will never go away and get bigger and bigger. And that way, when you're targeting, uh, you, your, your target now becomes much smaller. Instead of having to go to 50 states, you go to 31 states. Instead of the general population, you're just going to people who follow sports. And instead of going to just people who follow sports in that state, you're going to people who are looking for those keywords and URLs. And next thing you know, you're not spending as much as maybe the next person. And, and hopefully, and this is you. this is obviously agnostic of the leagues, the teams, official data. You can build wow. this independently of, of yes, anything. right? Yeah. So it's absolutely. cost efficient. It is cost efficient. Yeah. Well, you think about the you know the um, the buckshot um, carpet bombing that FanDuel and DraftKings said what 2014, oh. 15? The backlash. Or, wow. I mean, that will go down in history, obviously, as one of the craziest advertising phenomena well, was of it all three, time. The, but the, it was the, also the, just from a media planning standpoint, yeah. it was it was really generalized advertising. Yeah. And it was not a, it was probably the opposite of what you just it, described. It was the exact you opposite. Talk about and hashtag and inefficient. It, yeah, and it made a lot of people mad, and it got the lawmakers on the wrong side of this right. issue. And it made the sure. salespeople really happy for a very short period of time. <laughs> It was there was Bloomberg oh, did that one sure. story. Yeah. It was other than Cialis and Viagra, nobody spent more than FanDuel and DraftKings <laughs> for that two-year period. Wow. So yeah. Oh yeah. Different kind of score. And therefore, when yeah. you're telling people what you're doing, again, yeah. they, they become the reference point. But when you've built a model where people are winning, again, one percent of the time, you have to overcome that, and so you have to get people engaged in your story. So then you start doing what's called native advertising. I'm yeah. sure you guys are very mm -hmm. familiar with it. You come out with some PR stories, and the PR stories kind of basically tell your story. It looks somewhat like an advertorial, yeah. and, and whether it's in Forbes, Yahoo, or wherever, then you start sending traffic to that story, and that's called native advertising. And then you get the story across that you want, which tells your story. And that's, yeah. that's another technique. Can we go, go back for a second yeah. to the actual game and the differentiation of play score versus what some of us have been used to? So you mentioned the fact that in... Daily Fantasy, um, technically, I don't know if, the, if this is different now, but a very small minority of players are actually winning. Right. And, and, uh, and Joe has heard me say this before. I experienced that, wondered why I was not winning that often <laughs> when I used to play FanDuel a lot. And then I saw that expose 
yeah. was on one of the documentaries about whales, how, all about whales. Uh, uh, you know, one point five percent of the player base was winning ninety two percent of the oh yeah, the tape, and the amount like of dormant accounts, and there was lots of stories. Right, but then and then yeah. we found out basically, oh, essentially you're playing against algorithms and financial yeah. experts. And it's like that Very that smart. doesn't help. Yeah. But anyway, so, 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 so first I, of all, two I, things on the question. Yeah. One is. Describe the gameplay yeah. and the notion of the parlay and the idea of playing against the house as opposed to quants or or engines or something like that. Right. So so again, it's it's daily matchups first and foremost. And let me just start off with you know the founder had a really good idea and and at first we pushed back in a big way because I I didn't like it I have to say I really didn't like it at all but he said we're going to do a maximum of twenty dollars a day that we don't want more than. That made no sense to me. I, I wanted to bet a hundred bucks. You know, I, let's let's have fun. Let's bet a hundred dollars. He was very smart. He pointed out that mayors of every city they'll bet a lobster versus uh, right. some soup, or you know, the priests are betting on. But everybody is okay with the friendly bet. If it's a five dollar bet, it's fun. It's cool. It's everyone's smiling right. and it's okay. You can your talk about it with other your is not going to complain if you're betting. Five exactly or right. Or and so. He, I think he had this in mind because as soon as somebody comes in and says, oh yeah, I've spent a thousand bucks on this game, you are a degenerate, you are not welcome in the room, and the fact that you just admitted that out loud, it's just like, oh my God, you just gotta, you gotta go over the corner over there and hide for a couple hours. So it's casual gaming, that's really Very works. casual gaming. So, so I, we, we again started to embrace that because it's not gonna influence people in the wrong way. You're not gonna get a lot of bad behavior, and, and the sharks aren't gonna be interested. Now. In FanDuel's and DraftKings, of course, you, you've got all those folks and you've got the computer algorithms. They're not going to be interested in playing for $20 a day. Also, you play against the house. So we could all get together, take all of the knowledge that we've pulled together and form a little team and play against play score and have fun, try to beat us. And again, it's all based on 50-50 matchups. Mm -hmm. and so, as a, as a so, so each matchup is a 50-50 matchup at the end of the day because each athlete, no matter who you're taking, whether it's... Uh, Curry against um, Durant now here in Jersey or, or, or whoever, everybody's going to have Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn, right. Yeah. You're going to have you're going to have the handicap. Thank you very much. Oops. Uh, and so that makes every matchup 50 50. And then when you put that in a parlay fashion, like three to one, four to one, five to one, all of a sudden people let small amounts of money and have a nice opportunity to win pretty good little amounts of money. And, and people are and people are winning a pretty good percentage of the time. And that's why. What we've seen in the past with the model that preceded this is people actually said that in the comments, like, I really like playing your games, I can win. And I think at the end of the day, people just want to have fun and want to win a little. It's also more like this idea of the mano a mano matchup, which aligns well with sports media, sports talk, radio. Like, who's the better, you know, the Patriots play the Packers this weekend, who's, who's better? Rodgers or yeah, Brady. Oh my God, yeah, like right. I, I, that's been debated for, you know, yeah, the yeah. last few years a lot. Yeah. Um, in this case, that could be one of the matchups at, in a parlay, but at, that would be one of seven or nine or ten or whatever. At, absolutely. And, and actually, the fun thing is we go into sports. So you might have right. a race car driver uh, against a baseball player or a hockey player against a cricket player. Explain that. So, so it's all based on point systems, just like fantasy's points, but it's, it's not... Um, it's all done that day, so it's daily daily fantasy sports. You're not having to, you know, uh, play off of any uh, anything. I mean, like like could an example be? I'm sorry. Please, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of this because I've seen the uh, I've seen the demo. Um, so one could be uh, Aaron Rodgers against Sidney Crosby. Who will 
Well, Aaron Rodgers had more touchdown than Sidney Crosby. Touchdown passes than Sidney Crosby goals. Goals and assists and again, like yes. numbers that are generally in alignment. Like there's typically not you're not mm-hmm. going to get more than three or four goals. If you're, I mean, that's a lot, but even three or four touchdown passes is a big deal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you get to watch athletes in different sports, kind of, uh, and and have some fun following those matchups. And and uh, and again, and I think it takes it away from the concept of. Uh, we're not dependent on the outcome of the match. It's just the performance of the athletes. And, mm-hmm. and again, we kind of go back to the idea that people enjoy the athletes and want to have a connection to the athletes, and in this case, even have action with the athletes. And well, that's the kind can of can you explain the, uh, the descriptor fixed odds or fixed rate? So, I know that gets a little technical. That, that I don't fully, I don't personally understand. Right. But. So, so, uh, okay. So, I, I certainly wish I had my boss for this one. But the idea behind the fixed odds is, is it's not going to vary no matter if one person plays or ten people play or one thousand people play. Okay. It's always going to be See, the same payout yep. at all the time. And and again, right. If you're if you're playing uh, one of those other uh, places that we mentioned, you know that's uh, that's not going to be the case. So. Uh, it's always going to be six to one, or always ten to one, and it never changes, no matter who's playing, how many people play. So that's just fixed odds. Right. So Kevin, you're you're kind of facing kind of the classic marketing challenge <laughs> from like like from the top of the funnel. Like yeah. you, you don't have brand awareness yet. I mean, a little bit right. of brand no, awareness. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the right. brand awareness game, uh, awareness trial consideration, oh. etc. So do you do, are are you thinking through the tactical executions for each level of the funnel yet, or is that? Oh yeah. yeah okay. I, I mean, again, we're we are um, uh, again we're going to be coming out just prior to kickoff, so so we don't have the benefit of doing a couple months of social media leading up to this, which of mm-hmm. course would be top of the funnel stuff, creating that awareness. So we have to have kind of people come out of the gates who are thinking about the game. So so you know we are thinking about this in a little bit of a. a a little bit of a different fashion. So, so we're trying to get people to the site that that want to play sports, that they're interested in sports. There, and so again, we're going out and searching for these people and and trying to find you know the exact demographic. Of and that that's kind of the secret sauce that you're, as opposed to all these other games that are kind of similar, kind of different. Um, you have the ability to identify those people and engage versus kind of the scattershot that, that a lot of startups are doing? So, I mean, I'd say we're doing a lot of the same things. We're, lots of us these days are doing the machine learning algorithms, the AI. I mean, there's a lot of tools out there for the, you know, programmatic traffic. And I, I think there's a lot of things out there that people are doing that can be smart. But I, I would say that we have the benefit of, of being willing to do about 10 different types of traffic. And we are literally going everywhere. So we are going into the Apple App Store. We, 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 are, we are advertising everywhere. And of course, we're doing content marketing. People love content. That content drives everything. And so we decided early on that we would start developing our own content and then just turning that content into actual advertisements. So we find that the content that that's the most viral, that people are actually sending around, we'll turn that into ads. So we're, we're trying to do as many things as we can to be smart and kind of make it fun and kind of connect with people. And that good. Uh, and distribution deals and partnerships. I know you probably can't talk about many yet, but that's another angle too. Yeah, right? so that's uh, they would tell me to stay in my lane on that one. Um, uh, but I, you know, you are very aware. I got to sit in some meetings this morning. We were talking about some really wonderful white label partnerships. The fun thing is, 
the casinos are all becoming aware of this because again, uh, if on, on, this, on this side of things, there's a fairly good consistent payout, just like there's fixed odds on the other side, there's pretty good fixed odds on this side too, and it, it happens to be a little bit better than the, than the average. So you're getting a lot of companies interested. So we're finding that the casinos are interested. We're finding that um, really anybody in the sports world seems to be interested, and we have a few people that have committed to doing white labels, and we're pretty lucky. So, so we'll be doing a lot of games powered by PlayScore. And data, and data you're licensing from some third party, which doesn't really matter who it is. But right. You're getting data from somewhere. We are there. licensing data from a third party right now, and we're always looking at new sources for that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, the game is mobile first, obviously, easy to Absolutely. use. Absolutely. Um, what would you say the percentage down the line would be your game versus white label? Where's the money? Wow, so that's a great question. Uh, I, I will say that my efforts in B2C get dwarfed by B2B when you start bringing in the million, a million or two million a month from the install bases that exist out there. Again, there's a lot of folks out there that see they might have a two or three million person install base, and this is basically another opportunity, an incremental opportunity for them to generate fixed revenue. Mm -hmm. So, so you are finding a lot of white label companies, and and we do think we may end up being more of a platform for B two B at the end of the day. That would make the most sense. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you're building the back end for them, and they're slapping a nice, sexy name on it. That's exactly the case. They're doing their own content, they're doing their own name, and then they're coming to us, have us run everything, and and they're just and they have their own user base and traffic, yeah. and exactly kind of the marketing mechanism in place. And so, we love it, but but yeah. And along those lines, have you heard from? The leagues at all? Has anybody? Kind of, <laughs> we've heard that? from our competitors. Okay. Yeah, we've had. Some. Who are your competitors? By the way, I might go quiet on that one. Okay. Um, I, I would say this: that we have had a few people in the industry contact us that are interested in working with us and maybe work, working with us because they don't have the same type. Of they don't have the same type. Yep, of thing. makes sense. Yeah, because pretty soon you're going to be. I mean, right now we're talking about sports, but pretty soon it's going to be politics and, and we Oscars. already know it's going to be yeah so yeah. talk about that that's to me this is a fascinating yeah. business extension that they're planning for this coming winter well right? ab absolutely i mean we already know we're going to be doing the oscars can sydney crosby score more goals than cory booker will like meryl streep can, can yeah. trump send out more tweets than lebron yeah. in a week yeah i mean the i'll take trump on that yeah, right <laughs> depends on the good. So, so, I mean, as, as you can imagine, it's endless. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. endless. You, you know, uh, yep. uh, we, we, we've already had a lot of people. And, and the funny thing is it gets very viral very fast because people want to start throwing out categories they care about. Yeah. You know. Um, it's so funny because games like this have existed for years, but never to the point now where, where they're viable. So. But right, and now the idea of everybody putting five dollars on everything. Yeah. Okay, I want to put five dollars on that politician against that entertainer against that athlete, yeah. and and all, we just want to house the whole thing and and kind of be there for everybody. So, we think it's got an interesting. Uh, it's going to be a real interesting. And future. you don't. I mean, just, just as in sports, you don't need any rights to do that. No, you don't no. have to talk to the Luna. academy to do an academy. And there's, and there's no data. You don't need to license there's any no data. data no, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all it's, public domain. It's, it's uh, pretty fun. We we think there's going to be a real viral component to that because we've already started seeing it. Yeah. And obviously with the run up to the 2020 election, 
Oh, yeah, right. So lots of predictive uh, type things. Right, who's going to do more yeah, of this gonna and who's going to do more of that? And oh, yeah, be dominating the media in the next uh, year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and having done search engines in the past, I can tell you that uh, once you get around those years, they become the predominant purchaser of traffic on I'm the sure. internet. Yeah, yeah. You know. so much money is spent. And, yeah, it's, 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 uh, we would see it from the Republican and the Democratic. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. always fun. So um, before we get to the final questions, um, just uh, tell everybody how they can find this game sure. that launches in a couple of weeks. Sure. So again, it's coming out in about two weeks, and it's going to be called Play Score. So, so two weeks, you're saying right around NFL kickoff, just yeah. everybody. So, uh, yeah, everybody in our industry has got a countdown clock on in their, uh, you know, in their offices, and I think what is it, ten days, whatever the amount is right now. Yeah, they're counting backwards right now. Uh, to kick off, and, and that's our that's our intention Great. too. And it's PlaySquare, S Q O R R dot com. So P L A Y S Q O R R. Yeah. And, and then that can be found online. And online, it can be found in the App, App Store. App Store uh, what, we will be in Play Store eventually, and uh, our app will be found probably in a few different app environments. Right. Cool. And could, could it actually be, I meant to ask this a minute yeah. ago, yeah. but could it be played embedded in something like Twitter? Great question. Yes, and we're really interested to see like the way it's going to go. Use case. I know that's probably the way I would be inclined. Yeah. To use it and they're so into, I mean, the polls draw so much stuff. Again, people are just going to see it as an incremental opportunity to generate revenue when they've already got the install right. base. And now with what it kind of makes sense, Joe, for Twitter. So because they're, they're, really, they're not really diversifying their content revenue opportunities in and they, and, it's still and, all highlights, highlights based mm -hmm. stuff. It's not crazy for them. And they to get were into the original influencer right. platform. Right. I mean, really, what? Well, they still are. But. Well, they are, but you know, you've got uh, every every traffic agency has now become influencer. But Twitter was where it all began, and, and you really saw it there. All right, cool. So yeah. hopefully, by the Oscars, we can actually play the game on exactly. Twitter. Um, okay, so let's get into a couple of <laughs> final questions. Thank you for yeah. First of all, the Thanks career for the me. career path is a reminder to everybody listening, particularly young people. That who the hell knows how your career is going to unfold? Because oh that's an amazing no story. Sometimes it chooses you. Right? Yeah, that's an amazing story. Really fascinating. Um, how do you stay smart? How do you keep up? So it's a great question. You know, you go to the conferences, you read everything, uh, but I tell you, you make a lot of mistakes, and you make your and you and you try to learn from your mistakes. I think that you learn more from your mistakes than anything else. Because when you're spending a lot of money. Nothing happens. You have to think that through pretty well, and you try not to do those again. But I, I go to a lot of conferences, talk to a lot of people, and I think going back to my nightclub days, there's not a person that I walk by that I don't talk to, and mm -hmm. I try to listen and not talk. That's the Irish gift of gab. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's good. Um, are you a Twitter fan? I am. Yeah. Okay. Um, advice. Advice. Yeah. Especially for. Younger people so it's a great question, and, yeah. and it's so fun to be on this campus when you ask a question. I think it's just love what you do. I, I, it's so cliche, but it really is. I, for me, like, look at you. You're smiling. You guys are fun to be around. If, if you enjoy what you do, you'll be successful at it. I'm sure everybody says the same thing. But I still think Mary Rich is the best advice. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's loving what you do, yeah, right? Yeah, so exactly. there you go. So. Or pretending to love what you do. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's good. Cool. Um, what? What? I mean, just one more thing yeah, on the please. career thing. So, 
you've been you've hired a lot of people. You were talking about your nightclub, yeah, employees, yeah. and you've obviously had people working at those other jobs you talked about. Yes. What do you look for in younger employees that are that you're interviewing or looking to bring in? Uh, focus. <laughs> uh, it's 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 and people that actually literally can do the job they say they can. Right. Okay. I found that a lot of people say they can do things, <laughs> or they know people. <laughs> there, yeah. there you go. Yeah. But then as soon as you ask them to do the first thing, they're a little lost. So I, I tend to want to just have those young people show me what they know yeah. in the interview so that we can have a real conversation. Yeah. Because, if, you know, they're trying to get their job. They're doing the right thing, but then they might not have the experience they say they do. All right. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. Thank that you. That was great. Um, so <laughs> we've been listening to or talking to. We've been talking to Kevin Murphy, who is the head of marketing for a company called Vetnos with their game that's about to be relaunched. Just to remind everybody, it's Play Score with a Q, S-Q-O-R-R. Be relaunching in a few weeks, right? Well, actually, it'll be, what, 10 or 15 days from when this podcast hits. So check it out. I think for those of us that have been dabbling in different kinds of sports gaming, um, this seems like an appealing concept for casual players. Fun. And I know that's a big fun. topic of, uh, yeah. Joe and I have talked to about this many times, for most people I know, that there just hasn't been kind of the right solution yet mm-hmm. for, to check out where you want to be engaged, but you don't want to make a big commitment. You're certainly not looking to spend a lot of money, and you're certainly not looking to waste that money. That's right. Uh, some of us felt like we might yeah. have been doing on some of the platforms. There you go. Um, so thank you for joining us. Oh, Good thank luck you for to, having during me. this uh, your week in New York, and we'll uh, we'll check in with you later in the season to see how things are going. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks, Cheers. Roddy. Thanks. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> <Have a good laughs> chat. Thanks. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll see you next time.